around the world. Never give up in whatever thing you're doing. Caring for the vulnerable, fighting for human rights, providing education in conflict zones. You don't know what you've done with your generosity. A nonprofit started decades ago by Bob Goff. Here's a simple version, love your neighbor. Together we are Love Does, and this is the Love Does Podcast. Before we start with today's conversation with a really remarkable woman doing incredible work, just a forewarning, there are some of the topics that we're going to talk about are heavy. We're talking about some of the ways we're helping women escape prostitution. These are real issues, and we certainly don't want to gloss over them, but we don't want you to be caught off guard either. So with that, let's get on with the podcast. Welcome to the Love Does Podcast. My name is Jody Luke, and I'm the Executive Director of Love Does. But before we jump in, I wanted to just take a moment to say thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode and the previous episodes. I recognize that time is valuable, and we are honored that you would take your time to listen and to care about what we're doing at Love Does. We're super passionate about what we do, and so it is been so encouraging to hear from you and uh, it's meant the world to us. So thank you so much. And this is the last episode of this first round. And then we're going to take a break and regroup. And then we'll be back to share more from the countries and the stories that we have yet to highlight. Uh, and I would say uh, also too, that I want to shout out to Marcus. He's our engineer. He's our producer behind the scenes. And he's just done a wonderful job. And he is as talented as he is. His heart is even bigger. So I wanted to say thank you. He's behind the scenes as well as I always want to honor all the Love Does staff because we're coming to the end of this first round. And it's a team effort. You know, the country directors and the volunteers and the staff, anytime I can highlight them, I want to. So today we're going to be talking about the Dominican Republic with my good friend. And Love Does has English schools and preschools. And we also have a fantastic women's resource center there. And Love Does works in a lot of conflict zones and post-conflict zones. And so I thought it would be helpful to give a little background behind the Dominican Republic as to why we've jumped in to work here. So the Dominican Republic is located on an island in the Caribbean, and it is the home to two sovereign countries. To the west is the Dominican Republic with Spanish roots, and to the east is Haiti with French roots. And if I got my history correct, I think that split happened in the late 1600s, and then they were emancipated from their European ties in the 1800s. But there's still that imaginary uh, geographic line in the middle that separates the two countries. But even more so, they're separated economically, culturally, politically. And so today, tensions really still run high between the two countries where there's a lot of Haitians that flee to the Dominican Republic because of political unrest, gang violence, and just extreme poverty. That being said, the Dominican Republic is known for, uh, you know, it's stunning beaches, which they are stunning. Uh, their baseball players, the culture, the music, but it also has its own share of obstacles. It too uh, deals with um, some political corruptness. It has a lack of infrastructure. I think over 20% of the residents do not have running water. Uh, it has extreme poverty. Uh, I think a third of uh, the country's residents live on $1.25 a day or less and limited access to education. And that's where Love Does said, hey, maybe we can jump in and help there. So we got connected with three women. Uh, we call them the Three Musketeers. That's this Transatlantic Alliance. 
I came up with that of uh, Claire, Bonnie, and our guest on today's podcast, Megan. And they hail from uh, the UK, the US, Alabama specifically, and Canada. And this uh, trio of women, this terrific trio of women merged forces years ago, and they really seek to serve the most impoverished communities in the Dominican Republic. And they're not only humble and thoughtful and helpful and generous, but they're also just a lot of fun, which I think you'll see today. And we get to talk to the ringleader of the trio, Megan, and she's with us today on the podcast. So first of all, Megan, thank you for listening to that uh, really long introduction, but welcome to the podcast. Hey, that's great. I am so excited to be here. I learned so much from everything that you said. Thank you so much. That well, was, I hope it was, was correct. Great. You know, you never I know. Was taking, I was taking notes. It was good. <laughs> yeah, it going was good. strong. Well, I'll, I'll say, I mean, really, you do have a great sense of humor. You all three, Bonnie, Claire, Megan, they have a great sense of humor. If you show up, they're probably wearing some t-shirt with some slogan that makes you laugh. You know, kind people are my kind of people, or it's boring without me. I don't know. That being said, I think you have had to have a sense of humor to do what you've done so long and be in this in this space. So tell us a little bit about why the DR, how you got there, and why you've stayed there. Yeah, so it was actually like in 2003. I was a youth pastor at um, at a church in Ontario, and the senior pastor came in. And he said, Megan, I want you to take your youth group on a mission trip. <clears throat> and I had never actually been on any type of like a mission trip, a humanitarian trip. I'd never been on anything like that before. So I had no idea what I was doing or where it is that we would go. I knew nothing. And so what I did was, is I took the globe and, uh, and I spun it. And then I just made sure my finger was south because I wanted to make sure I went somewhere warm. And, uh, and I just touched the globe and it was the Dominican Republic. Oh. And so that's where I took my group. And, um, and so then uh, years later, um, at, at another church, we started taking groups down to the Dominican and doing work. And then it was in 2009 that my church and my husband gave me their blessing to leave them for the summers. And I started working in a community uh, called the uh, Carabayou. And uh, so I did that for 2009 to 2010. And I just fell in love with this community and, uh, and, and all the people and all of the complexities of it. And it was when I came back in 2010 that it was my husband who said, you know, this was my dream to move to a country where there was need, not your dream. Why can't we just do that permanently? And uh, so we did, we, we packed up and we moved to the Dominican and we tell everybody it's for an undefined period of time. We don't know how long, it could be forever. I hope it's forever, but you know, you never know. It's and so that's how- that way. It is looking that way. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. <laughs> and to that end, you know, when we have visited, it is this juxtaposition of beauty and chaos. I remember visiting you not too long ago and there's a playground in the community and it had just been recently painted. It was colorful. It was really beautiful. And then there was this cow right in the middle, <laughs> you know, and cow, and cow pies everywhere. Sure. Why not? It added to the obstacle course, really. Yeah. <laughs> but I, we were also walking in the community and you would see a, a stone and it had, you know, John 1010, you may have life and life to the full and behind it is all this trash. And, and yet the crazy thing is, is that there's a lot of beauty, quite honestly, in the community. And it's in the people 
And I know you fell in love with the people. And part of working in these communities is also finding a trusted leader. And we do that a lot in Love Does with the countries that we are working. Uh, you actually are our trusted leader. No pressure. But yeah. to that end, you, you know, you're in these communities. You find that trusted leader. Why is that important to the success of what you do? Um, you know, I think first and foremost, the leaders are one, um, the most knowledgeable about their communities and, uh, and what the problems are in their communities, uh, what has not worked in the past, what they think might work. And, uh, and they have the ability to, to, to make it done. I mean, our goal is just to come alongside them as they dream about how they want to better their communities and to be able to, to empower them in whatever they need to make it happen. And it's been amazing and inspiring to see um, leaders just love their community so much and work so hard to make sure that everybody, um, that everybody can, that everybody can achieve. What are some of their names? Because I think they're so remarkable. I just want to name them. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Umberto, mm -hmm. Onas, yep. Ensign, Rosario, Valario. Um, Benito, um, Anna. They are just people who serve their communities and their, their names are never going to, you know, maybe be known all these places, but they deserve to just by the way that they are so unselfish in the way that they serve. Don't you feel like? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I really just think the world um, needs to meet them and, uh, and to know what, um, not to know what they're doing, but to know that they can. You know, I mean, people talk about, you know, can can these communities succeed? And these leaders will say, yes, of course they can. And uh, and we're going to make it happen. Mm, I love that. Uh, you so you're working in some of these communities and it's again, it's you and Claire and Bonnie, this, you know, terrific trio that have merged. And so I think it's five communities that you're working that are pretty impoverished outside of the northern Dominican Republic. And you started to notice that quite a few women were getting wrapped up in prostitution, that everybody was noticing sort of the same thing. And as we've come to know that this particular area of the Dominican Republic is known as being the capital of prostitution in the entire Caribbean, actually. Yes. So why is prostitution so prevalent in these communities? And then what was the first step that you took towards figuring out how you could help? Um, I think the main reason for prostitution being so prevalent is just the opportunities to be able to find good jobs um, that would be able to provide for their families. Mm -hmm. And uh, and prostitution is um, is an easy way to make money, but it's something that the majority of the women don't want to do. But when they have children that they need to feed, somebody in their family is sick and they need to pay for the medical expenses. This is their this is their way of earning money quickly um, mm. to be able to do something, and it's really hard to see women who are in situations where they're um, where they're exploited so that they can take care of their families, so that they can feed their children, and um, and so for for us, one was focusing on education, um, both the education for the children so that they're not in the same situation that their parents are in. Um, when they grow up and then also focusing on, you know, the parents and providing adult skill training um, courses for them to get involved in so that they can go and find jobs that they will, that, that they're equipped to do. Well, what I thought was pretty cool was 
you all are all noticing the same thing and your heart is sort of breaking because no little girl dreams about becoming a prostitute when they get older. That's just not a thing. And so you thought, well, what do we do? And I think you sent a survey, right, to all of these communities. And I I love that part because it's like, first, I'm going to listen and understand kind of what are some of the factors behind what is making this a reality for so many women, right? Yeah, actually, we did the survey right in Susua. Mm. And uh, and what we did was um, Bonnie created a survey and we hired four sex workers in the uh, in Susua and we paid them a regular nightly wage and uh, they went out for two, two, three nights and they got 252 women to fill out the survey um, of, of sex workers in Susua and uh, and they filled out uh, they filled out our form and basically it's uh, it's learning um, learning about their circumstances learning about you know what's going on in their lives uh, do they want to do this um, if no why do they do this but we're asking in very respectful ways and uh, and then finding out like you know when did they first come to Susua where are they from what is their education you know what are their dreams for their lives and can we come alongside them uh, to make it possible. And then out of that, you know, we joined forces about a couple years ago and created the Women's Resource Center. And it's this hybrid approach to mental health and education. But tell us a little bit about the Women's Resource Center and what's offered there. Uh, so the Winter, Women's Resource Center is amazing. It's such an exciting project um, that we've gotten to be a part of. And basically, we have a center right in the heart of Sisua, and it can be seen right off the main road. And so we are known, and uh, and the reputation of our center uh, grew really fast. Positive reputation grew really fast. And uh, and basically, we offer a center um, of hope for all women to come to our center who um, who want to learn, who want to grow. And uh, in, in our center, we have English classes. Um, we have uh, adult skill training classes. We provide psychology. We help uh, women uh, write out their resumes. A gynecologist comes in once every two months uh, for women checkups. And, uh, and then also we have conferences uh, throughout the year on topics that the women want to learn about. And, and mostly um, we provide a safe space for women to come, knowing that they'll be encouraged no matter who they are, no matter where they're from. When they come into our center, they know that they are loved, that they are respected, that they are valued, and that we will come alongside them with whatever they're going through and just help them get through it together. I love that. We've had, I think, 400 women, right? come through the center in just the last 18 months. It's amazing. So it's amazing. It really is amazing. And location, 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 right? You're right in the center and you can't miss it. So if you visit, you you really will see it, which is so cool. It says the Love Does Women's Resource Center. And I love it. I also love it because the education programs that you have uh well, that we've thought through and how you've created them, it's connected with the government. And so if somebody goes through a course, it's recognized. It's not just an ad hoc thing. They have a certificate and it's recognized by the government as a particular skill. So if it's in makeup or accounting or whatever it is, that there's actually a, a, 
you know, something they can go to a, a potential employer and say, I did this and gives a real alternative to what they're doing currently. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. We have partnered with the government to provide us with adult skill training teachers and uh, and the teachers enjoy our um, our program so much that that they even call us and ask us when they can come next uh, to teach courses. They love the woman. The women love the teachers and uh, and they love women. Uh, they, they love women. Um, <laughs> they love um, learning and, um, and and growing and just the the community. Um, that is created from these programs, but uh, but it's a it's fantastic to know that the government not only supports what it is that we're doing, but they also see that is definitely needed um, in the community, and it's all it's definitely going to help the women, and so they are just extremely grateful. And however they can participate in what it is that that we're doing, they want to. And it's the first of its kind in the entire country. I know even in the South, they're aware of it. And that's a pretty cool thing in such a short amount of time to have that kind of impact. And I think part of it is the secret sauce of the mental health piece. You know, we were talking with uh, Ilwad in Somalia uh, a couple weeks ago, and she was saying that there's actually no word for mental health there. And it's a little bit more widely recognized in the Dominican Republic, but not much. It still is sort of new. It's a new concept. There's still a stigma around it. And the secret sauce of the Women's Resource Center a little bit, I think, is Noah, who is the staff psychologist. And she's just this wonderful uh, person. And we got to hang out with her a little bit uh, not too long ago. But how do you just tell us a little bit about her and how she sort of has gotten the women to start to think through kind of the mental health piece of it as part of the integral piece of their success. Yeah, Noah is such a fascinating woman and I just, I appreciate her so much. But I met Noah back in 2020 and uh, in the community that I spent a lot of my time and they were going through a really hard time. And, uh, and so a friend had introduced me to her because what she did in her spare time is that she went to communities to talk about mental health, to talk about um, stopping violence in the family, to talk about women's rights and, uh, and, and to stop violence against women. And she would counsel women. She had these stickers um, that she would put on the back of cars with everybody's permission. But you go through a Porta Plata and you'll see your stickers and on the sticker is her phone number. And you can call her anytime. And on her free time, she would provide counseling in her home. And, uh, and then she was oh also working. Oh my gosh, working. it's like she took a, a page out of Bob's book. You know, Bob Goff is the founder of Love Does and put his- You know, I was even name. gonna ask if he met her first before writing the book. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, and so, and so she- um, but she also had her full-time job and uh, working as a, um, she had a government job. And so when we were starting, you know, Love Does, and we were looking into, you know, who do we want to work here? I immediately thought of her and I approached her and I said, hey, how would you like to do what you are doing so amazingly and to be able to do that full-time? And, uh, and so we talked about it and, oh my gosh, she said yes. And, you know, and, and it was so exciting. And, she is such a valuable part of our center. Um, teach, um, talking to women, women meeting her at their lowest points in their lives and her being able to talk them through 
what they're going through, and then providing skills for them to cope with what they're going through, to get out of what they're going through, and then just to just to achieve, just to thrive, just to just to grow and learn and find some type of enjoyment in their lives. And it's been so amazing to see the women who have been changed as a result of, of the counseling that, that she provides. Well, we got to experience that because when we were with you not too long ago, we had this event and you all created it and I think invited women to come and, and just share what the Resource Center has meant to them. And it was upstairs in the center. I'll tell you, I was sweating like crazy. It was very, very hot. Uh, nobody else seemed to care. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it's my age. I don't know. But it was really something else. And we actually had to limit the number of women who wanted to share how meaningful the center has been to them. I remember one woman got up and just talked about how she showed up and she felt like she was 10% of who she was. And Noah came beside her and really supported her. And then she got to the place where she felt like maybe she was 80% and could take some of the classes and took not just one, but two or three classes and was so excited because then her whole face lit up because she said, I now have not just one, but two jobs. And you could see just the pride and morally what she had accomplished with her professionally, but also just personally, the, the mental health piece of that. And so you could really see that it was making a significant impact and they were moved by the, and just kept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me a second chance. And just what the power of second chances can do. I mean, what, was there a story that stuck out to you that day or another one? You know, I was, uh, I was outside because the room was packed. And so I could only like hear like little nippets, you know, because you took the best seat in the house and, well, yes. and I lost my seat. So I didn't, <laughs> oh, didn't actually get a chance to be there a was part room. of all that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, one one impact story that really that hits me and it's just like, you know, you know, there was a woman and uh, and she had she has three children and she um, was, you know, was a sex worker in Sasua. And when her daughter turned 18, her daughter started to come to Sasua as well uh, to walk the streets. And um, and then one day a man paid for both of them. And, uh, and so she, she was with, so, so, you know, they did what, what they did to get paid. And, uh, and a week later she shows up at the, the center and her first session was just crying. And, uh, she just put her head on Noah's lap and she cried the whole entire time. And then it wasn't until the second that she came and shared what she had done and she, she just said, she's like, I'm the most horrible person in the entire world. Like I had sex with my daughter and, uh, and I can't, I can't ever undo that. Like I can't, I can't live with myself anymore. And so through a number of sessions, eventually her daughter started coming to counseling and over a couple of months, um, no one was able to, to just encourage her and to remind her who she was in terms of just who she is in God, that she is loved, that she is special, that she is someone and that she can. And, uh, and she is now in living in Santa Domingo and she has various jobs as a, um, as a house cleaner. And she's actually putting her daughter through law school and her daughter is now studying law. And her daughter still at times comes to Sasua, um, uh, you know, to, 
to, to earn some, some extra money. And, um, but for her other children, it's like, she's not, she's going to make sure that her other children are never in that situation. And she's going to make sure that her older daughter never has to be in that situation. She's going to do whatever she can to make sure that her children now have a different life. And it's just so amazing to see the difference in her life and, uh, and how she sees herself and, uh, and the fact that she can hold her head up high and say, this is not, I'm not who I was, you know, now, now I can, and now I am. Hmm. That'll be a pretty cool law school graduation. Yeah. yeah oh my gosh. Yeah. I want to be there for sure. I would, I would like to be there as well. <laughs> and well, you see the power of education, right? And so, you know, that has been integral and central to the success of the Women's Resource Center. And switching gears a little bit also to jumping in on the education uh, back in the communities where it's a, it's a big jump. Now we're going to the kids that we have, uh, there was kids running all around and there were some preschools, some were half day, some wasn't happening. And then we sort of came beside you all and said, what if we formalize a full day preschool? And I think sometimes people look at little kids and think, oh, is it really worth the money? Because it, it costs a fair amount of money to, to formalize and have a teachers and the whole staff. And yet the statistics would say something very different, that I think 25% of the world's population does not have access to early education. But if they do, because a child's brain is developing so rapidly under the age of eight, if you give them early education, it really provides a platform to have a very strong foundation to the future success, the academic success of that, of that kid. If you don't, it actually is, is a very fragile foundation. But if you do... They say that the uh, mental health has improved, that actually lifespans are increased, teenage pregnancy is reduced, and that the relationships that are formed early on then are, have the um, ability to create really successful relationships with their caregivers, with authority figures, with their peers, and with their family members. They're allowed some structure and how you negotiate between peers. And it really provides a great starting point um, for these little kids. And we saw that when we visited the preschools, you saw before where the kids were all running around, it seemed crazy. They were really well behaved and were doing an awesome job in these preschools and all these different communities. When we talked to the teachers, they were just blown away. So tell us a little bit about what this has meant to the teachers in those communities and the families. I, it's incredible. I mean, one, like you say, like it gives them a start for school. They, I mean, they, when, when they go into the public school system, they get to start with confidence and uh, they've, they've learned how to, you know, for lack of be disciplined and, uh, and they learn how to listen. Um, they learn how to share toys. And for a lot of these children, they don't even have toys. The parents don't have the resources for the kids to play. And uh, well, at the same time, they have imagination. They take you know, orange boxes, orange juice boxes, and they'll turn them into cars, which is cute. Um, <laughs> but just like, you know, sharing with each other and interacting and having um, a stable environment where they can resolve, con learn how to resolve conflict with each other. And, uh, and, and also for um, some of our communities um, where the children have, are, are Dominican children, but of Haitian descent, they're growing up learning Creole. 
And so, so in, in only knowing Creole, that puts them way back when they, when they begin to start school. And so it's in the preschool where they start to learn Spanish and they start to um, be able to speak more Spanish so that when they start, you know, in kindergarten, you know, they're not, they're, they're starting at, it's a good start. It's a good start for them. And, uh, and then also what's really vital in the program is food. You know, they, they get a lunch, they get a nutritious lunch every day. And, uh, and that's something, I mean, normal, normally they might have one meal a day. Um, it, they, they probably wouldn't have two meals a day. And so by, enable, by being able to provide a nutritious meal for when they're in school for the full days is, um, is amazing. And, uh, and the parents, it just alleviates so much stress off of the parents and also for the parents by, an, by it being a full day preschool, it also gives the mom an opportunity to find work while the kids are in school. And so through that, being able to find work that they'll be able to provide uh, for their children during that time as well. Well, it's an investment in those kids. You know, you don't see it right away, but we trust that in the years to come that it will yield really incredible results because what we found around the world is that it's not just learning ABCs and one, two, threes or a different language. It also has that intangible communication value that says you're worth it, that we believe in you, that even though you're small, you still have value and that you could do amazing things. And I, I think by putting these uh, schools together, I'm really excited about that piece of it. And you could see that it was really important to the parents. I think one of the last schools that we visited uh, one of the parents came, I don't think you knew that it was happening, and had created their, her own certificate to just say thank you on behalf of the parents and the community for caring for their kids. It was really kind of touching uh, just how meaningful it was because I think in other parts of the world you take that for granted. That education, though, in these communities, there's limited access to it, so it's a gift. It's, it's not something to be taken for granted. No, it, it means so much to them. And it means so much that that there's something for their children to be a part of. And uh, and when the children come home, they're excited. They're excited to go the next day. And uh, and and the parents aren't trying to push their kids at the door to go like the kids are running, you know, to get to school. They want to be there. They want to learn and they are encouraged. And um, and I think like, you know, just they become better kids for the parents as well. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. Sure. It's a win-win. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's also a part of it. And then we've also jumped in to help with some English schools. We got to stop by a couple of the English schools you mentioned that that's an important piece, particularly in some of the villages where many of the residents are from Haitian descent. And some of the teenagers are participating in this. And they were so excited, partly because I think, again, a couple of those teachers are absolutely remarkable. I would follow them wherever they go as well. But tell us a little bit about the opportunities that it gives for some of these teenagers to learn English. English is so huge in learning English is so huge in the Dominican. I mean, tourism is big. It's one of their number one um, incomes in, in the Dominican Republic. And I mean, they've got um, cruise ships coming in every day and then people coming in on planes every day. There's resorts all over the place. And so being able to speak English just gets everybody so much farther ahead in, um, in being able to find a job, a good job where, uh, where they can take care of their families. And so knowing English, um, it just, uh, you can get jobs in tourism, in the bank, at the airport, at restaurants, at call centers. It just, the world opens up for them. And what's really fun in the community that I've been working in, 
Um, English has English programs have been going on for for 12 years. And uh, what's so fun about that is you go anywhere in the community and there's going to be somebody who can translate for you. And uh, and they want to they want to practice their English. And uh, and they also it's so exciting to see people being able to find jobs. And now I can go anywhere on the North Coast every day and I'm going to run into somebody from the community who got a job as a result of learning English. And so it just opens up a world of opportunity for everyone. And it is so important. Mm, it's a game changer. And that wouldn't have happened if you, it, you know, I think about this all the time and not that we want to put too much on ourselves, but it really is the reality in some of these places that it's not like if you didn't start it, somebody else will, it just wouldn't happen. And so the fact that you came to these communities and then said, hey, how can I help? This is a really practical way that's making a really big difference for a lot of people. And so it's really, really cool. We get families that reach out quite a bit that say, how could they help? I think because of the proximity to the U.S. or to this part of the world that we live in, that they want to give supplies to the Dominican Republic, our schools or our English centers or even the Women's Resource Center. And sometimes they want to just ship them to us. But if we then ship them to you, there's an extra tax or fee. If they were to visit, which happens um, more often than not, which is awesome, if they want to drop off supplies to the preschools, the English schools, the Women's Resource Center, what are some supplies that would be helpful? Yeah, I mean, definitely school supplies, um, paper, crayons, coloring books, Spanish children books would be huge. Um, and then for, you know, the, the Women's Resource Center, definitely like, you know, sanitary products would be really good for their, uh, for them and, uh, and pens and paper again would be, would be highly valued. Are English books, are those helpful or not as helpful? Um, English books aren't, I mean, definitely like simple reading English books are helpful. Um, they're definitely helpful. Yes. Okay. For our advanced, uh, English students. Yes. Cause I'm just, um, answering questions here on the podcast that I know I'm going to be asked later. And so <laughs> I love to be efficient that way. So that would be great. And they could always drop them by the women's resource center. If they dropped them by there, you guys would get them to the communities. Is that correct? Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And please do come by the Women's Resource Center and say hi. That would be that would be fantastic. We would love to say hi to you. It is awesome. And it right is in the center of Sosua. So you can't miss it if you're in that area. It's pretty cool. Big love does sign right there. I love it. I love it. And also, you know, some of these programs do uh, take some money. And so we have thought through, uh, you know, how can you make this more sustainable? And one of the fun parts of this uh, phase two project, the Women's Resource Center, has been to create a Love Does Cafe Joy. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So in the next couple of months, we're going to be opening up a Love Does Cafe Joy. And, uh, and basically, it's just going to be kind of like a, a breakfast lunch joint uh, where people can come and actually like get food that you can't get in the Dominican Republic. And I don't really want to say exactly what it's going to be because I'm worried that somebody in the Dominican is going to hear it and then they're <laughs> going to replicate it. And that's just going to ruin all of our plans. But anyways, it's going to be really, really good. <laughs> and, uh, and the idea is, is that um, the cost of of running the the Women's Resource Center, the um, the proceeds that we make from the Love Does Cafe Joy Center 
will go straight to the Love Does Center. And so that, that way the community is also investing in their center and contributing to the running of the center. And so then that will alleviate uh, some of the cost of running the place. I love that. And we'll be able to give jobs to the women who are going through the baking class or whatever it might be. I think that's such a cool piece of it as well. So I'm really excited about that. The breadth of what you do and how you serve people is pretty remarkable. And we've sort of talked about it today on the podcast. But I'll tell you this, Megan, there's a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of people of all ages, really, that say, I want to change the world at some point. You know, when I grow up, I want to change the world or I want to change the world or I want to serve um, poor people or impoverished areas. And maybe they do it for a year or maybe they do it for a couple years. You have done it really for your life. And I don't think you probably want me to highlight this, but I, I might anyway. You know, you don't um, you don't take a salary. You are married to Travis and Travis is really remarkable. He's a he's a fantastic businessman. But the two of you together, and you highlighted it at the beginning, you know, this has been your life and how you wanted to serve people and your legacy of love, really. But when you walk in those communities, you see men, you see women, you see children, they run over to you, the, Megan, they're huge smiles. You've seen them grow up. You've, you've helped them get jobs. You've helped them solve problems. And they know that uh, you're for them. And it hasn't been just a hand out. Um, but it's been a hand up and it's really been more, it's been a hug, but you're the real deal. And, uh, you know, Bonnie and Claire and you together, it really is a, a remarkable, uh, terrific trio of, of love. That's for sure. You and I share the same birthday. I think, yeah, I'm, we do. yes, we do. We have one coming up. Yes, I think I'm a do. year, Everyone. I think I'm a year older than you are, but I will tell you this. I look up to you. And uh, I learned from you, I'm inspired by you, and I'm really grateful for the partnership and the friendship. So thank you for doing what you do. Uh, thank you to Bonnie and Claire for doing what they do as well and just being a part of this beautiful thing that we get to do together. It is, um, I love it. And I hope it goes on for a, a lot longer. So thanks for your time today to highlighting all the programs. Hey, thank you so much for, for having me, for letting me be a part of this. Thank you so much for partnering with us and everything that we're doing. And just, you're the most encouraging person I think that I've ever met. Sorry to all those other people, but it's true. <laughs> and uh, and really, like, when I when I think about people who just um, help me feel better about myself, you are, you, you master that. And so I'm really grateful for our friendship. Thank you. I look forward to our next visit, for sure. Thanks, <laughs> Megan. All right. Thank See you. you later. Hey, everybody. It's Bob Goff here. Uh, I've been part of this great caper called Love Does for quite a while. Uh, and I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want to have some more information about Love Does, you can go to lovedoes.org. Uh, you could also email hello at lovedoes.org. Um, thanks for listening to the podcast. Here's the important part. Do something. Whatever that is. Don't just agree with what you heard. What's your next courageous step? See you later.